This is D23 Inside Disney. We are going to take you through some of the best Disney stories of the week, get you an inside look at the people behind the magic of Disney. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Jeffrey from D23. And we're the hosts that will take you inside Disney. It's another episode of D23 Inside Disney. <laughs> Woohoo! We're Yay. back. We're, we're back. back. And in this episode, we're going to chat with Walt Disney Archives director Becky Klein about the 65th anniversary of the Disneyland television show. Very exciting. I can't wait. I'm assuming you both caught this because I think the entire universe watched Monday Night Football, regardless of their interest in the sport, to see the trailer the final trailer for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, man. That was epic. I think I watched it six times after that. (laughs) I couldn't. You're not alone. True fan, true fan. I couldn't stop. I counted for six of those like 200 million views or whatever it's up to now. It's so, so good. And they released all these new images. I kept looking at them to like try to figure out what they were. Like, is that the Emperor's throne room? Is that not the Emperor's throne room? I have no idea. And the poster was really cool. Really cool. Yeah, it looked a little retro. I can't wait for the movie. I feel like you know more about it than you're leading on. No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know why. Tell us your secrets. I know, right? I swear I do not. I know <laughs> a lot about nothing. Okay. And I know nothing about many things. <laughs> In other big Star Wars news, we switched to Star Tours because Parks announced that they're going to be adding new scenes from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker into the attraction starting on, I think, December 20th. Wow. Cannot wait. I don't know if you saw, they're going to be adding the new planet of Kef Beer, which mm. I'm very excited. I love Star Tours. It's such a classic attraction. And to hear that it's getting a cool new update is very exciting. And there's different sequences, and yeah. you can have all these different experiences. I loved when they added John Boyega mm-hmm. and, and BB-8. And the updates go live on December 20th at Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and Tokyo Disney Resort, and then on January 11th in Disneyland Paris. So... Sorry, people in Paris, you have to wait a couple weeks extra, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah, and now we know where we're going to be December 20th. So thank you for that. (laughs) No problem. All right, so if you guys like Marvel and you like podcasts, which you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, this is like the best collab ever. So SiriusXM, Pandora, and Marvel, they're going to be creating new exclusive podcasts. So some of them are going to be scripted. Some of the series will be unscripted. They're actually going to do themed live events and more, all starting next year. So there's going to be four series, which are going to be based around Wolverine, Hawkeye, Guy, Black Widow, and Star Lord, and then a fifth series where they all team up. And there's going to be ten episodes in each of these series. I love, I love when like heroes team up, like yeah. Avengers, like those kinds of things. Pairing so. them up in like ways that you wouldn't think is yes. what I'm looking forward to. This not only that, but there are going to be podcasts dedicated to popular franchises and talk shows featuring celebrity guests. So something else to look forward to in 2020, guys. Absolutely, Woo-hoo. something to look forward to much sooner. Frozen 2. Yeah. Very, very excited for that. And now they're going to be doing a new special look at Frozen 2 at the Disney parks and on Disney Cruise Line. Ooh. Oh, exciting. <laughs> very well. And, and what I love about their special looks that they do at the, for parks and resorts is you get a little bit more. It's a little bit more than a trailer, which I always really enjoy. It's yeah. very fun. So at Disneyland, they're going to be doing it in the Hyperion Theater where they do the musical stage show there. It's going to be at the Studio Theater at Walt Disney Studios Park in Disneyland Paris. And in the Walt Disney Presents attraction at Hollywood Studios. And it's all happening like the very first week of November, the 3rd, 4th, 5th, it rolls out. And it's going to be all month long, 
on Disney Cruise Line, so you know when I'm <laughs> oh, on my cruise, I'm going to be. timing works out. It's going to be. I'm just going to be like literally watching the special preview over and over again. They're going to be like, "You want to go out in the sun?" No, no, I'm watching the special <laughs> preview one more time. Very, very excited. Very, very excited. For I that. am so excited about your cruise. I, can't I wait am to hear excited all about, about my it. cruise. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It Truly. Is. Speaking of gifts, see what I did there. Speaking of giving, <laughs> very good, Jeffy. So, Shop Disney and Disney Store just revealed their top holiday toys for this holiday season. Ooh. I can't wait. I don't think there has been an episode yet where I haven't brought up the holidays, <laughs> and it's October. I think that's fine. Yeah, I think that's okay. Totally acceptable. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you for supporting my holiday love. Is this the first time they've done that? This is the second time they've done this, and this year's list is chock full of such exciting offerings. I think I'm too old for them, but maybe not, no, because not. I'm definitely going to ask for all of them, <laughs> <laughs> including the classic Simba plush. She looks so soft was, and fuzzy. I saw that. So cute. I so bought cute. that after we went to the studio store that day. Did you? I did, yeah. I gave it to my son. Aww. Oh, my gosh. It just carries it around. Oh, so cute. cute. <laughs> and then for all you Marvel fans, there's a Thanos talking action figure. Very nice. cool. And my personal favorite from the list is a Mickey Kid's Kitchen. When I was a kid, I loved little play kitchens. Oh. Like little oh, this is like life-size for kids? Life-size for kids. <gasps> almost life-size for small little me. So I'm <laughs> definitely going to try it out, test out my cooking skills. It comes with color-changing pizza, which oh, is I love exciting. that. And I a mean, pot of spaghetti that's more fun as a toy than actual. I don't really want to see what color-changing pizza <laughs> looks like in real life. Absolutely. <laughs> Also, starting November 2nd, every night at 7 p.m., there will be Disney Store's Magical Wishes, where they reveal special holiday decor, and there will be fun theatrical interactions with Mickey and Minnie themselves. Every night? That's so many decorations. I, I need, know. I'm going to need all of them. You can get your holiday fill every night at Disney Store. I love that. I wish the store in the lot was open at 7. I would just be there every <laughs> night. I'm off work, going shopping. I'm sure you guys saw there was a ton of Disney Plus news over the last week. Yep. One of the things I'm most excited for, and they announced it a while ago, but we finally got to see the trailer, is the Imagineering story. Yes. I cannot wait. It's a six-hour documentary series done by Leslie Iwerks, who is the granddaughter mm-hmm. of Ub Iwerks, the original animator for Mickey Mouse. So cool. Wow. And the daughter of Dawn Iwerks. Disney, both of them are Disney legends. She also directed the Pixar story, which is a great, great, great documentary. It is going to show behind the scenes of the making of some of the most incredible iconic attractions at Disney. And for those who have never been in the Utilidor, better known as the quote unquote mm-hmm. underground tunnel at Walt Disney World, even though it's not, not underground, you're going to get it's technically not underground. It's okay. a funny story. They had to build it uh, above sea level. So the Magic really? Kingdom, which is on the second, is technically the second floor. Okay. And the Utilidors. The first, there you go. Fun fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. I love that. The first episode drops on November 12th when Disney Plus launches. I don't even know where to start November 12th. What do I watch first? Well, there's even more <sighs> to add to your list of what to watch on Disney okay. Plus. So oh, gosh. A whole <laughs> list of documentaries were just announced that are coming to Disney Plus, including Howard, which is about Howard Ashman, the, Aww, the lyricist Disney legend. He wrote some unforgettable lyrics to films like Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. I mean, some of the best, most iconic Disney songs are his lyrics. Wow. Yeah, so that documentary will be on Disney+. Plus. Another one that I'm really excited for is Science Fair. So this is from National Geographic, and it follows nine high school students from around the world competing in the International Science and Engineering Fair. 
That's so cool. I you know. making those? Like, can you set oh up the like, cardboard backdrop and be I like, do. hypothesis? Oh, yeah. that was so fun. <laughs> Mine was about crickets, so actually it was horrible because I don't like crickets. I don't, I don't know why know. I picked oh. that topic. Did you have live crickets? <laughs> I did. Oh, so, okay, sorry. my hypothesis was I used to play violin, but I, when I play a higher note, the crickets would jump more. Turns out that was based off of nothing. So I'm excited <laughs> to learn about actual science from this documentary. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like I have a long way to go here. All right, then. Wolfgang is another thing that's coming to Disney+. Plus. This is a documentary all about celebrity chef Wolfgang Puck. Oh, mm. I love him. I, lo- I love his restaurant at Disney Springs. And he and his team craft the dinners for the Governor's Ball. Really? Wow. After the Oscars every year. So I, uh, hopefully they show some of the behind the scenes of those things because uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Maybe I could try cooking some of that stuff in my Mickey kitchen. Perfect. <laughs> Speaking of Mickey, there will also be a documentary all about Mickey Mouse, which I cannot wait for. Yeah. Can't wait Love for Mickey. that. Cannot wait for, you guys probably know what I'm going to say, High, High School, School Musical, Musical, The, the Musical, Musical, The Series. <laughs> exactly. So we knew there was going to be season one. Obviously, we've been talking about it forever. They just made a big announcement, though. They're confirmed for season two already. Wow. Which, it's awesome. It's so cool. This, by the way, if you don't know what High School Musical, The Musical, musical the series is this is the original disney plus scripted series it's set in the real life east high where the original high school musical movie was filmed and it follows a group of students they're counting down to the opening of their production of high school musical and the executive producer basically got the whole cast together in a room told them there was a brand new trailer they wanted to show them then he surprises them with the news there's a video of this and the cast goes nuts sophia wiley like jumps back and knocks over a lamp it's just like (laughs) the excitement is so cool so congratulations Congrats to everyone who is a part of High School Musical, the musical, the series, debuting on Disney Plus November 12th. From the contemporary to the classic TV, actually last week, Candace, you were off making magic elsewhere. Yeah. We missed you. Bummed about this, but excited. Sh- Sherry and I did have the chance to talk to Walt Disney Archives director Becky Klein. Brilliant, brilliant woman oh, and has so great, great great stories. And she talked all about the 65th anniversary of the Disneyland TV show. So let's roll it. We are so excited to have a friend and coworker who I have had the pleasure of working with now for over a decade, the amazing director of the Walt Disney Archives, Becky Klein. Hey, Becky. Hi. How's it going? Great. I'm so happy to be here today. We are very happy to have you. Can you talk about how you started at Disney and grew into your role at the Archives? Sure. I was a local kid. I grew up in Glendale, Burbank, Eagle Rock area. And so I was aware of the studio from the time I was a little girl. Always wanted to work here. My father worked at Lockheed nearby, and so I would go past the studio almost every morning when my mom took him to work. Always wanted to come work at the studio. I didn't right away. It was much later in my career that I ended up here. But I came a roundabout way. I studied theater in school and worked for the Huntington Library in San Marino, California, which was a rare book library. And that's where I fell in love with library work. So I was going to be in theater. My career was on a direct path. And then I realized that I really enjoyed working in library situations. So I found out from a friend that there was going to be an opening at the Walt Disney Archives. And so I thought, well, that sounds great because I've always wanted to be at Disney and it's library work. So I applied for a position as a file clerk. This was in 1989. And somebody had already filled the position, so I didn't get it. But I did end up getting a job at Disney, and so I worked for four years for Disney Home Entertainment and then kept my eye on the archives and got to know the people that worked there well. And when there was a position open as a secretary, I took a transfer and got in. 
and I've been there ever since. That was in 1993, and then I worked my way up from, I guess I was a semi-senior secretary, so I wasn't even a real secretary. I was a semi-senior secretary, <laughs> and then worked my way up to director. I've been there wow. 30 years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's incredible. What was the statue for 30 years? I'm going to be getting it in a couple weeks. It's a Jiminy Cricket Aww. Service Award. How exciting. Congratulations. Very that's excited. huge. Yeah, yeah. 30 years. That's amazing. I aspire <laughs> to do that. So in your 30 years, can you think of any unique experiences you've had that only could have happened at Disney? The interesting thing is that my previous career that I intended to have put me behind the scenes and so I was a stage manager and a lighting designer and producing theater and things but when I came into the archives I became a historian and I I started to learn so much and talking to other people about it and so doing things like I'm doing now I don't think would have been part of my eventual career if I had stayed in theater I would have been behind the scenes and now I find that I get to do so much wonderful thing get to do presentations in front of audiences and speak on behalf of the company and tell stories and and do work on camera and behind a microphone and I think it was my experience working with Disney and and developing this love for the material and my my total admiration for Walt Disney and for all of the amazing legacy that he created everything he passed down to us and all this wonderful new material that we're doing i get to travel the world i get to go to theme parks in different countries and speak to cast members but i also get to speak to fans and i never kind of envisioned this as something that i would be doing but i love it it's one of the parts of my job that i just love the most is getting a chance to speak to an audience and to share what i love about disney and i think that's that's something never would have happened if i hadn't got into the archives I feel like a lot of us who work here might take for granted that we have such a rich archives. Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to you that Disney has archives? It's so important to this company because I think more so than any other company there is. We focus and reuse our past so much. And so it's really important to the company that we have a really well-indexed and cataloged collection of our history so that we can look back and, and see and draw inspiration from things that have been done in the past and then create new and exciting projects based on what Walt did and also everything since then. So we've got a almost a hundred year history of this company and the people who originally did those projects are no longer with us. And so the fact that we have an archive that's almost 50 years old is pretty impressive and is really important to this company. I know you're asked this question a lot, but do you have a favorite treasure in the archives? It's so hard. It's like asking somebody about their children. Um, You know, I say there are various things in various collections that are my favorites. I think as far as documents and things like that go, the contract that started the Walt Disney Company is pretty darn special. And, of course, the script for Steamboat Willie that Walt kept in his desk is a pretty amazing piece. And it's living history. When you look at those papers in front of you, it's just mind-boggling. As far as costumes and props and things like that go with more dimensional collections, my favorites, I think, would have to be the Sleeping Beauty storybook, which is just gorgeous. And the Snow Globe for Mary Poppins has always been my favorite. It was the first movie I ever saw as a child of any kind, not just Disney. 
well, I don't want to date myself, but I was four years old when it came out. (laughs) And I fell in love with it, and apparently my parents had to take me back many times. It's always been my favorite Disney film, and the snow globe is just kind of encapsulates the whole story right there. Encapsulates it right in one piece. Aww. You know. Something that I know, but not everyone may know, is that you're an essential piece of the restoration of the Sleeping Beauty book. Really? Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be? Yeah, the book is really amazing because it's a prop, um, and it's it's an actual book, but it is filled with original art. So the art was by Ivan Durrell, and it was made specifically for the film, and it's just glorious, glorious art. And over the years, it got to the point where we didn't show it anymore to anyone because the binding had come loose and the art itself was getting very fragile. So I thought, well, you know what, that's kind of sad that we can't show the book anymore. So what I did is I took it to the Huntington Library. Things come full circle. There you go, to the (laughs) conservation lab there. And they took the original art out and preserved it and protected it and put new housings on it so that it could be shown and uh, researched. And then they took the book separately and put blank paper in it so that we can actually show it as a prop book as well as this beautiful art Hmm. so now you can use it and enjoy it and see it in exhibits and things like that but it also protected it for future use and for posterity now it won't be you know damaged anymore so pretty cool well it's really special to hear about all of the great treasures you have at the archives but it's another thing to see them is there any way our listeners or the general public can take a look at the archives in person yes actually through d23 we do quarterly tours of the studio lot and actually i think we've we've bumped that up more now we're doing monthly right wow so we're doing a lot more tours because the demand has been so high people love to come to the studio and see where these magical films have been made and to see the buildings that people worked in and where things were created and then they can come to the archives too and see our exhibits of the treasures of the archives and we bring them out to share and it's the only way to do it is to go through d23 so i think that's a pretty special offering and you see walt's office too yes and we refurbished walt's office restored it back to the way it looked when he was working there and as part of that tour, you can go into Walt's office, which is a, a very special uh, thing to do. It really is special. It feels like a time warp. Like you're in a totally different mm-hmm. time, totally different place as soon as you step in there. It's yeah. so such a remarkable experience. Your team did such a great job. Oh, I mean, just incredible. Well, it was, a, it was definitely a passion project. We all did it as a labor of love. I think everybody on the staff was so excited to do it. And it's a, such a, a very special place. When you're in there, you really feel like you've stepped into a different time or a different mm-hmm. dimension mm-hmm. I always feel like I'm going to get caught like I shouldn't be there and that the boss is going to walk in any minute and I'm <laughs> going to get in trouble you know what my favorite part of that is mm-hmm. his kitchen I mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. I love seeing all the little canned foods and mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. Oh, so cool I like when you open the cupboards the light comes yes. off it's so cool <laughs> it's so fun it feels like a playhouse it's so high tech <laughs> yeah. so Walt so while you're celebrating your 30th anniversary this year a few weeks ago we talked about the fact that next year the archives is celebrating its 50th anniversary very exciting so we talked about a bunch of the things what are you really excited about we've got so many wonderful things going on some of the things we've announced and some things are yet to come but I think one of the most exciting for me is that we're going to be doing an exhibition here in the United States it's called inside the Walt Disney Archives and it's going to open in March at the Bowers Museum down in Santa Ana And it's really exciting because we've never really traveled exhibits. We've done big exhibits for our expos, and we've done them internationally for some of our partners in Japan and Hong Kong and various places. But we've never traveled an exhibit through the United States. And so this is the first stop on a traveling exhibit. 
And we're doing it for the 50th anniversary, and we're going to showcase all kinds of really wonderful things that people haven't seen before. But it's also a chance for people who haven't had the opportunity to come into the archives to see what it is we do. And it's it's I think it's really fun because it's kind of interactive, and and you get to see fun eye candy and things, but you also get to to hear the voice of the people that work in the archives and kind of see what we do on a daily basis, which is different than what most people expect. And it's kind of fun because you get to see, you know, what we've done in the past, what we're doing currently, what we what we have coming up in the future, but also how we work with researchers and how we work with the fans and do all kinds of fun things. And so it's kind of a little microcosm of the archives that you can walk through. I had the chance to see it, or I should say a version of it, mm-hmm. at, in Japan right. last year. And it is so cool. And you've got the office um, mm-hmm. from Saving Mr. Banks, Walt's right. office, wow. that they actually went to Walt's office. And Which was based on Walt's real office. It yeah, was. it's pretty cool. It's so cool. Well, yeah. speaking of anniversaries, Disneyland TV show is celebrating its 65th. So can you tell us <sighs> a little bit about the show and why it was important for Disney? Yeah, the the uh, 65 years, wow, it's amazing to think of it that long ago, is in, in the 50s. Walt Disney was a pioneer in television in Los Angeles and in the country, actually. He got very interested in television very early on, like in the 44, I think, is when he first started talking about television and went on to TV in 1950 with a TV special called One Hour in Wonderland. He saw immediately that as he was thinking about building his theme park of Disneyland, so he found that there was a way that he could get funding from ABC to help build the park, but then he could also use the television show to advertise Disneyland as well. And so it, that was really genius marketing. I mean, that the whole idea of using television you know, to market his theme park was interesting. And so he started his show. He pitched some ideas to some different networks. He actually approached CBS and NBC, which were the big, big networks then. ABC was a kind of a third third guy in the game, and neither NBC or CBS wanted to take on this project. And so he went with ABC, and together they created this anthology series, they call it. An anthology is kind of like a a series where you can change the format each week a little bit. And so they did this anthology series. It was called Disneyland. And it basically was about Disneyland. And Walt used it to tell the public how he was going to create this park and what it was going to be about. And so it was kind of a marketing pitch. But he made it so much fun and was so entertaining that the public just ate it up. So that series started in 1955 with Disneyland. It went through various changes over the years. It was on um, different networks. And in the early 60s, it went to Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. And so he actually started broadcasting in color, which was new. He created original programming, and he reused films that the company had done earlier. had a different subject each week, so it was never boring. And it was just really fun. He, He found really unique and interesting ways to share the film library that we already had and to create new product. And so with that show continued on, it's still 65 years later, there's still a version of it, and it's gone through various incarnations, but we always kind of refer to it as the anthology series, because it's been going for 65 years. Can you think in those first couple of years, were there some truly iconic episodes or moments, things that happened on the show? Oh, the, the very earliest years, when the show was called Disneyland in 1955, In those earliest years, when the show called Disneyland first started in 54, 
they were um, doing reports about the building of Disneyland. So those are really interesting. And then he did a tribute to Mickey Mouse. That's where the, the quote, you know, um, it all started with a mouse. Hmm. <laughs> all, that came from that really? show. Really? It came from the show? Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. And so there was wonderful things like that. And then he started creating programming like Davy Crockett and some of the other shows that, that they saw in those early years. And so those were seminal. As they went on, you know, he used it to, you know, plug the park and to plug every new movie that was coming out. So sometimes he did making of and behind the scenes film, like he did Operation Undersea, which was a show that he created to talk about a behind the scenes on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which was a big expensive film that we were doing. And so he released a behind the scenes show and he did it on the anthology series. And so those were all very important. He did a lot of animal movies, a lot of comedies and things like that. And so a lot of the shows that we know today and love dearly, you know, are from those that era, the early, you know, mid 50s, early 60s. I'm going to watch this. Is there a way for people to watch the anthology? Yeah, you know, over the years, we've released them on uh, various DVD sets and things like that. So some of those are still out there. Fortunately, now we have Disney Plus coming up with their streaming. And um, I know when it launches in November, they plan to have some episodes from the TV show have already been announced that are going to be on it. Things like Prince and the Popper and I know Mr. Boogity, which is a very funny film. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. Ruby Bridges, which is a more recent offering, which is an excellent film. I know they're planning to release, I think there's like 10 or 11, this first wave. But I think Disney Plus obviously intends to release a lot more television shows. And some that may have never have been on DVD before, which would be wow, exciting. Yeah. that's great. We end every interview asking our guest what their favorite Disney memory is. Oh, my goodness. It's so hard to pick one when you've been here for 30 years. For me personally, just because it was a, a dream that I had from the time I walked onto the studio a lot, Walt's office has always meant a lot to me. We would always walk by and look up at Walt's office because we all knew where it was on the third floor of the animation building. But to have the opportunity to have it restored and look just as it did when our founder was there and to be there when we had the opening and the ribbon cutting and to stand there in that office and actually have it be a reality was I can't really describe how wonderful that was and to have Richard Sherman playing Feed the Birds and and to be there with Bob Iger and all these wonderful Disney legends and senior executives and everybody. It was just such a unique and wonderful moment that I was very proud. I was very touched. I don't think I'll ever forget that. Wow. That is so special. Thank you so much for being here. Sure. Yeah, I feel one step closer to Walt. (laughs) Good. Absolutely. That's what I'm all about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm so sad I missed that. What a cool interview. She's she awesome. She was amazing. Yeah. And Tell. for more cool interviews and news like that, you just visit d23.com any day of the week. And if you are enjoying this podcast and are listening on d23.com, you can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Awesome. And we're going to have a new episode next week, as always. So be here for D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.